This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. One thing that I love asking guests on the show is what advice they would give to an up-and-coming designer. When I talked with product designer Earl Carlson, I asked him what's the best advice he's been given about design. Whatever you're working on is only part of the like really rich lives that people lead. No matter how polished you make a thing, it's only taking a small chunk of a person's time and they have a full life outside of that. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, AnitaB.org is looking for a UI UX designer in Palo Alto, California. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts when there are new positions added to the job board. You'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, it's that time of year again, time for our annual holiday gift guide. We've rounded up a bunch of great stuff for this year's gift guide, books, electronics, etc., and it'll be coming your way on December the 1st. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram for more info. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Automation is huge, and the great thing about MailChimp is how they use automations to help make your email marketing efforts a lot more powerful. You can set up automations to reward the most active people on your list. Uh, If you do e-commerce, you can send order notifications and follow up on purchases. It's pretty cool. Sign up at MailChimp.com today for a free account and give it a try. MailChimp. Send better email. Your online identity really begins with your domain name. You know, no matter what kind of a designer or artist or developer you are, showcasing your passion online is super important, whether that's your portfolio, your resume, anything like that. And Hover makes the process of finding a domain super simple with hundreds of domain extensions, personalized email, and award-winning customer service. Right now, you can get half off any .art domains until November 30th, so that's $9.99 a year. It's pretty cool. Just go to hover.com forward slash revision path and you can get 10% off your first purchase. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional, business, or enterprise projects. They let you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple options that your websites can grow into. All plans have managed WordPress hosting, including staging and Git integration. So you can buy a domain from Hover and then link it to your SiteGround hosting. It's pretty cool. Get started today by visiting SiteGround.com forward slash revision path, and you can get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. Now for this week's interview. We're talking with Cyrus Henderson, a product designer at MailChimp here in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start the show. 
All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm Cyrus Henderson. I'm a product designer at MailChimp, and I like using my skills to help people to improve their their daily lives. How did you find out about MailChimp? Like, when was the first time you heard about it? So the first time I heard about MailChimp was four years ago. I was working for a company called Go Section 8 doing product design over there. And MailChimp was definitely a point of inspiration for me in my design career. So I kind of found out about MailChimp through their systems pattern library. What were some of the things you were doing? You said it's called Go Section 8? Yes. That's not like Section 8 housing or... It was a blend of helping... Basically, like what Go Section 8 did was we helped match landlords and tenants that had Section 8 vouchers to get into better living situations. Okay. Okay. And what kind of work were you doing there? So at Go Section 8, I did a blend of UX design and also front-end development. So was that your first design job working there? or There was a another design job before, which was called CPL Media Group. There, it was kind of less focused on UX. It was kind of like my title there was technically like web designer, web developer. So I still did design and front-end there. It was less like consumer-facing products. Now let's go back a little bit because I'm interested to know how did you first kind of get involved with design and everything? Because you're you're a fairly young guy from what I can see. We're sitting across from each other for people that are listening, but how did you kind of first get started with all this? So I kind of got into design through graphic design. So I was doing a lot of that in high school and I had a lot of friends who were musicians. I was also dabbling into music at the time. So we would basically reach out to other graphic designers to have them create t-shirts album covers, cover art, all of that stuff. And I kind of got curious to see whether I could do it myself. So I installed Photoshop. I started tinkering around with different graphic stuff and like layering. And then eventually I got started getting interested in like web design versus like graphics, like more digital artwork stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people I know that was sort of, or that's always kind of been their first foray into design has been through music of some sort, like whether it's a a fan site or or anything of that nature. That's how they kind of first get involved. So you kind of built your skills up enough there in order to to go and get a job then first as a designer. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it started with graphic design and then CPL media was the next step after that. Okay. When did you move here to Atlanta? Because you're originally from Florida, right? Yes. So I've I've been in Atlanta for around a year now. Okay. Yeah. You moved here for MailChimp? Uh, so I moved here for an interaction designer position at Home Depot. For the people that are listening, can you kind of tell them what interaction design is and what sort of stuff you were doing? So I'd say at Home Depot, interaction design was less focused on like the visuals. Like we had a team who would like actually build out like pattern libraries and like maintain visuals, but interaction design was more baked into like like user-centered processes. So it would mainly be like looking at like how can we improve this workflow? Like what issues are happening with this workflow specifically? It was more like on workflow and like jobs to be done and less on like the visual side. We kind of didn't have to worry about the visuals. We got to focus on more of like user interaction. And so, yeah, there from from Home Depot, you ended up coming here to MailChimp. What's it like working here? I think MailChimp is a, a great place to work. I love the culture. MailChimp, it's very laid back and you can really be yourself here. Like we're, I think MailChimp is really big on like individuals, but also being able to like get together to contribute to one cause. And so the work that you're doing here, can you talk about that in any capacity? Sure. So right now I'm on the ads team. So, I mean, I'm working with project managers, development, I'm working with researchers and other designers. And I like like the work that we're doing on the ads team because I feel like it, it, 
empowers small business owners to, you know, use the tools they have and the time they have and try to make the most out of it. Okay. And now you've been here in Atlanta for about a year. Can you kind of tell me what it's been like so far? I think it's it's been interesting here. Um, the first thing I think I picked up on when I came to Atlanta was that the people are really nice. Mm. And the food is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's like two of the components. But I mean, it's a very laid back place. Everybody embraces you a lot. And I think I was definitely ready for something different when I moved away from Florida. And I think Atlanta is definitely the place to be in. And like, I think it's a huge hub for like technology and design in general, for sure. Do you find yourself getting involved with the design community here? I think I haven't got to dabble as much with the design community yet. I've been a bit heads down, but I am looking at a lot of conferences and, and meetups to definitely get into. Now, are there things here at, at MailChimp where they allow you to do things within the community or, or any kind of professional development or stuff like that? I would say um, big time. Like, I mean, we, we get sent out to to conferences on a daily basis, and I think we're always trying to find opportunities to be involved in the community, for sure. Yeah, and the reason that I'm asking that is because oftentimes people will get a job somewhere, whether it's a company like MailChimp or just another tech company, and it can be, like you said, very heads down where you're just working, 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 and there's no opportunities for you to sort of see what else is going on out there outside of the company. I know when we, we did these interviews last year at Facebook, they're really big on doing a lot of external work and, and you know mentorship and things like that in the community. So it sounds like here at MailChimp, it's kind of a similar type of culture. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I, and I think at MailChimp, they try to get as involved as much as possible. And I mean, there's the opportunity to do even more than that. Walk me through a typical day for you here. Like, What sort of things are you working on? I think it could vary from day to day. I think some days I'm, I'm heads down, you know, working through problems that we've sort of planned for. Other days I'm super embedded in the team and like we're literally, I mean, we, we literally sit on the, on the same floor. We're in the same space working together. It's like more, more open collaborative. And some days I might not even open sketch and I'm just like sketching out ideas on paper and like actually just ha facilitating and having conversations with other teammates. So those definitely vary day to day. So no two days kind of seem to be the same. No. I mean, I would say the work is definitely consistent, but I mean, depending on like where we are in the process of building a product, the days can definitely be different. Is it a big team? So I, I would say that the ads team were, I'm just going to throw out a number, maybe 20 people. Okay. But I think we're like how it's kind of split up is that like each team is solving a different problem. So we're not like one huge like team, like everybody split up, like focusing on different areas of the product. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think is interesting based on, you know, all the people that I've interviewed here for the show is that you started working right out of high school. You didn't go to college for design or didn't go to college for anything else. You just kind of went right into it. How has that been for you in terms of navigating your career? So there's a handful of positives to it. Um, I think my learning style tends to gravitate towards being hands-on and learning by doing. And I feel like it's sort of drove in me. Like, I think that's what it initially drove me to like front-end development too, was just my curiosity in general. Like I was like, started out designing. I was like, cool. Like I'm going to figure out this thing. I'm going to Google things and figure out how to get there. And then I was like, oh, well, there's another component, which is development. So like, let me learn that to see how they interact with each other. And I feel like, that might be some of what you don't get in like, in actually going to school is like the different, 
like viewpoints specifically. Like you might learn about one thing and then you have to be curious to drive towards other things. Whereas there definitely are things that are harder to learn by doing without having like it laid out for you. So I think there's definitely two sides to that. I can tell, you know, oftentimes you can get locked into a specific way of thinking just based, like you said, on how you learned it. What sort of tools or resources did you use when you were learning this? It's funny to say, but I think the main tool that helped me learn a lot was there's this book called Steal Like an Artist. And I think (laughs) I took that philosophy into like learning design. So like I literally like with anything I learn, I'll literally like follow like 10 people who I think maybe industry leaders or 10 people who like seem like they're trusted sources in that in that industry. And then I will literally like look at their work. I'll look at who inspires them and like I'll follow them through their stories, see if they have any interviews. And then from there, I sort of like started developing like my own style for like design. So kind of almost learning through osmosis in a way. Yes, I would say that was like (laughs) (laughs) osmosis Jones. Yes. (laughs) Well, no, I'm familiar with that book. I think we reviewed it on the blog before. It's by Austin Kleon, Steal Like an Artist. I think he has like two or three other books in that same type of of genre like that. So a lot of what you learned was just kind of seeing what other people were doing. And then from there, that helped you form your style. Yeah, I would definitely say that that was the case. I mean, I, I even relate it back to like design and inspiration from other companies, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's definitely a line between like copying versus like being inspired and putting your own twist on it. Because I mean, you could look at like, let's say I have some some design pattern, for example, like, oh, they put the button here. And like, instead of like saying, oh, they put the button there, I'm going to put the button there. It's like, I'm going to learn while they put the button there and then use that mm-hmm. in the future. There's an article by this, she's a designer, she passed away years ago, but her name is Sylvia Harris. And there's a piece that she had in an anthology by Stephen Heller called The Education of the Graphic Designer. Her piece was about kind of searching for an African-American or a black design aesthetic. I'm getting to a point here, so it's not necessarily, you know, I'm saying what you have done. But one of the things that she mentions in the article is that sometimes designers can get trapped in this pattern of imitation as opposed to kind of finding out what their own design method is by experimentation. And it certainly sounds like you've done the latter by looking and seeing what's out there and then learning the process behind that. Who are some of the people that you uh, that you've looked up to to do this kind of work? I would definitely say Julie Zhu. She's definitely one of my like key inspirations. I definitely read her Medium blog daily. I would say another one is Jared Arandu. I think he's been huge in the industry. I think he inspired me and he definitely jumped into things probably in a similar fashion. Like at a young age, he was just diving in and just getting his hands dirty and creating things. And that was super inspirational for me. Yeah, I could definitely get shades of Arandu. I get that. I get that from you. I could totally see that. What companies, you know, since you're doing all this kind of observing and everything, what companies do you think are doing a good job when it comes to product design? I would say some of the products that really inspire me. I mean, I look to the tools I use like on a daily basis. When I think about like Sketch mm-hmm. and where it's came from and where it was in the industry when like Photoshop was like just the thing and coming in and like approaching like the problem from a different perspective and saying, hey, we're going to give you just enough tools to get the job done, you know, versus like just having a a robust set of tools. And I get like Adobe definitely came from a different place where they, we started using Photoshop as a tool that wasn't meant for what we were using it for, like interaction design. Right. But I would say sketch definitely came in at, at a time when we needed like different tools like that. Another one 
from like day one has been like Envision. For sure, that totally changed my workflow. Like when I think back to Go Section 8, we started out with a process that looked like design a high fidelity comp, then you send an email and then people <laughs> talk about it versus like Envision where it's like, whoa, we can actually put flows together and we can people can comment and like talk about a specific piece. I feel like stuff definitely got lost in translation in email where it's like people gave feedback and then you that got lost in the abyss. So so it sounds like you kind of value the the sort of apps that not only can cause disruption, but also enable collaboration. For sure. I feel like that's just so, so critical for building any product is, is like collaboration. Like design isn't the only one who comes up with the great ideas. I mean, sometimes an engineer might come up with an awesome idea, sometimes a project manager, or of course the customer. Yeah. Are you using those same tools here at MailChimp? Yes. So I think the only thing I, I would add to that tool set is probably principal app. That's definitely critical for like seeing how things feel for interactions and user testing. I got you. To you, what does it mean to be a designer today? And I'm asking this because you're coming from, I think, a perspective which maybe some of our listeners are coming from where they're new to all of this. They might just be learning. They're kind of trying to find their way through. You know, there's so much information and education out there now for designers that there was not present even five years ago, 10 years ago, et cetera. But to you now, when you look at the work that you're doing, what do you think it means to be a designer today? When I think about what it means to be a designer today, I kind of think the industries change in a sense of like um, user experience in general. I feel like user experience or good user experience is becoming the norm now. And I think it's sort of made design not easier in a sense because design is still hard, but it's made it easier in a sense where now we have tools and resources that can get us started and, and jump us in quickly. Like we have components that people are more familiar with. We have a bunch of, a ton of patterns that everybody's familiar with now. And it's getting a lot easier for everybody to pick up a device and start using products and be a part of like, I guess the internet in general, the internet is very open now. Do you see a downside to that? So when I think about design in terms of like business, I think about like the competitive edge of design. Yeah. I think there's a whole outlet of like talent now for companies to hire. So I think in a competitive sense, all companies sort of are getting access to good design now. So there, it's more than just being able to, to design something that looks good. It, it, you know, you have to be really connected to your customers now. Mm -hmm. How do you think you can improve as a designer? Do you think about that as you're kind of going through your work? So every day I think the more user-centered I can be and the more I can be in the user's shoes, the better. So I'm always trying to find different creative ways to be connected to the customer. And those tools do exist at, at MailChimp for sure. But I'm always trying to find different creative ways to switch things up. Give me an example. I would say trying to lean on user research more is definitely like key for me. I'm trying to always be in the room when we're running usability tests. I mean, looking at other platforms other than MailChimp helps too. I mean, even looking at social media in general, looking at is there frustration around this rollout that we released? Like, what feedback are we getting from the wild? What can we learn from? Mm -hmm. Trying to be more proactive than reactive to things, too, helps. Trying to plan for that. So is that kind of what your current design process is like now? I would say for the most part. And a, a lot of that happens while I'm designing. And it also happens after I, I've handed off. And, like, I'm sitting with development and we're building things together. But I think I want more of that to happen from the gate. Or like, hey, down the road, we're thinking about this feature. It's like, all right, cool. Let me start thinking about like, what feedback are we getting now? What feedback are we getting from the current product? You know, trying to 
to set up benchmarks and like just be more proactive about that. Okay. All right. I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit. Like I said before, you kind of came to the design industry very young, you know, just a few years now working. And now you've been here, like I think you said at MailChimp for about six months now, right? Yes. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to kind of follow in your footsteps? I would say the best advice I can give is to definitely, I would say, take the learn by doing approach, get your hands dirty. I would also say, try to find a mentor. That's like probably the quickest shortcut to get the word you need to get. So I would say, look at what other designers journeys look like. Try to set up your own path and try to definitely reach out to the community and find, you know, other people who are going through like the same path you're going through or try to find a mentor for sure. Have you found that reaching out like that has been a beneficial thing? I would say it's definitely been a, a beneficial thing. The design community is like so warm and receptive to like new people trying to get into the field. Like I've seen an endless amount of like front end developers and project managers transform in, into designers. I, I would say like reaching out, especially in this industry is, I don't know why you wouldn't. I've made so many awesome friends through just reaching out and trying to figure out like, like how did your journey look like mm-hmm. making friends? So. No, that's that's good. There, <laughs> I think I, I think maybe I've just talked to too many jaded designers because I feel like a lot of them would would say kind of the exact opposite thing. But I think whenever you're you're just starting out, I feel like that is something that we all can just relate to. We all know what it was like to struggle with trying to figure something out until we got that aha moment when it clicked. And so I think you know that's probably you know when you're just starting out, it's really. I find that it's a lot better. People tend to be a lot more receptive when you're an active an active participant in your own learning as opposed to just wanting to be force-fed what it is that you're looking for. You talked about mentors. Who have some of your mentors been? So I think the biggest mentor relates back to Go Section 8. When I first got into design, there was a designer there, an art director named Chris Thompson. He now builds products at Indeed, but he was he was like so critical to like it was like literally growth hacking. Like he sort of, I liked his style of mentorship because it was, it wasn't very much, I'm going to be over your shoulders and look at what you're doing. It was more like, I'm going to guide you, but you're going to fail along the way and learn really fast. What is it that keeps you motivated and inspired with your work? I would say one key thing that keeps me motivated is just dabbling into other industries and looking at, looking at what is developing in other industries. For instance, like film scoring, I'll, I'll look at like what, how does the industry look for movies, you know, like in, in life in general. And I try to take those learnings and those different viewpoints and actually tie them back into my design process. Who is Siren? Tell me who Siren is. <laughs> so Siren is the first three letters of my first name and the first four letters of my last name. And that makes Siren. <laughs> What do you use that moniker for? So the moniker originally was for music production. I was looking for something that that represented me, but wasn't me exactly. So I was like looking for something that was like, I guess, clever in a way. It's like, oh, I can match up my name and make another name together. Uh And that makes something new. So like you said, you're looking into these other industries and you, you mentioned film, you mentioned music. Is music something that you're still working with? Yes. So... I'm always actively working on on music. I try to definitely split the time between design and music, but I see it as like a healthy balance because there's processes that I feed back into music and there's processes that I feed back into design. Do you find that the two work together in some way, design and music? I think so, because I think there's really a huge connection between music and design, like on an emotional level. Like when I think about like how 
my designs impact people's lives and how like my music impacts people's lives. I think they line up pretty well. Like there's definitely like an emotional component there for sure. Yeah. Design and music just has this, uh, I don't know. Designers like to have playlists and things that they're using when they design. Of course, you look at, you know, like you said before, you got your start designing for, you know, like cover art and things like that and music. So design and music tends to have this really interesting kind of symbiotic sort of relationship that I think is cool. Are you still doing music production stuff? Yeah. So I'm always actively working on music. I'm kind of slowing down a little bit, but I am working on a little EP right now in my downtime. It's more geared towards like electronic music, but it definitely has like influences from like film scoring and like, you know, even just classical music. Is that kind of a a dream project of yours? I think so. I I think it's always like, I mean, I've been doing it for like five years and I think I'm always picking it up and putting it down, but I would definitely like to, to wrap up a project really soon. What would you say is the best thing about what you do? I would say the best thing about what I do is mainly impacting people's lives. So like my parents have tried to run like multiple businesses. Like they've tried to run restaurants and like the restaurant industry is like really hard to get into and then to stay into. So I'd say just seeing my parents like use different devices and technology lets me know that like we still have a ways to go in getting everybody to understand everything and trying to to educate everybody, but I would definitely say like making people's lives easier by using my skills and just trying to build things that are user centered and very thoughtful. How have your parents supported you throughout kind of this, this journey that you're taking as a designer? I would say they, they've always supported me in whatever, and you know, whatever endeavors I wanted to take. They've always been very supportive and looked in my best interest. They've always tried to nurture like my creativity at a younger age. Like, I, I mean, I started out like being really young, like, Resketching Dragon Ball Z and like putting the other puzzles and like just creating things with my hands. And I think it was a shock to them at first, though. I, w- I would say honestly, like I was going to school, I was going to college for physical therapy, and I was also looking into architecture at the time in those you know, medical runs in the family. And they were like, like, you're going to design things for a living. Like at first they were a little skeptical and they weren't familiar and they didn't understand like, Hey, like the Facebook platform that you're using, people actually make that, mm-hmm. you know, like there's actually a process that happens. It's not like it just pops up on the app store. Mm-hmm. I feel like it took them a while to get used to it. But once they saw like, Oh, he's actually making money from this and like also getting to do what he loves, like go Cyrus. Like they cheered me on for that. Okay. What's the last thing that you designed that was like just for fun, like no work stuff. Or anything like that? So I had a little side project I was working on, I think maybe a year or two ago. It was called Taskivate. Basically, it was just an application that would help people build better habits in their day-to-day lives. And it was really like embedded into like community. So it was really like not like, oh, like, for instance, Cyrus, like, go do this and like, you'll be awesome. It was like, get a group of people together, get your family together, get, get your friends together and like actually do something together. And I think... I was definitely a little overly ambitious. So I started out, I like designed the whole thing. I was setting up databases, like learning different programming languages so I can put things together. I was Mm -hmm. familiar with JavaScript, but I was trying to learn like, you know, more backend technology. I've sort of put that down for now, but that was definitely something I was working on on the side. Was it like a mobile app or a web app? What was it? It was a mobile app. It also had, like, I was also like exploring the web application side of it, but I think it was mainly a mobile app just so people could actually be, be connected on the go versus Mm -hmm. like just only, uh, you know, allowing like them to interface with the web application. 
Have you thought about picking it back up? I think so. I haven't found the the downtime yet. So I'm still trying to like balance like design and music in general. So like balancing design music and the application really wasn't working out too well. But I think in the future I want to pick want to pick it back up because I think any way I can help people, I'm totally passionate about. Now we're nearing the end of 2017 here. What do you want to accomplish for the rest of this year? I think what it looks like for me for the rest of the year, I'm continuing to work to Im- improve products at MailChimp with the ads team. I think one of the things or a few of the things I'm trying to accomplish at the end of 2017, I'm tied directly back into my goals of like just trying to get in front of the customer more. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm always constantly trying to to work through work with the ads team, but I'm also trying to take a step back and just always reflect on like the current process that processes I have in place and definitely try to just be more tied into the customer. So I think my workflow hopefully should look a little different at the end of 2017. Okay. Coming into 2018. What about personally? I think personally, I'm always trying to be more of an empathetic person and always trying to be selfless and see stuff differently through a different lens. So I think as far as like personal improvement goes, I'm always looking to like see how I can relate to people or how I can pull more people into what I do and like figure out what they do. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself? I know you, you're you at a, a very early start in your career and even here at MailChimp, but where do you see yourself in the next five years? What sort of work do you want to be doing? It's funny because even I'm going to take a step back really quick. Even looking back at like my earlier career, I was always hunting for a place where I could use my skills to help people and use design in a more useful, well, a more useful way than how I was using it. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm really satisfied with the work I'm doing at Mailchimp right now because I'm, you know, I'm getting to basically help people understand like what's marketing, like what's email, what is advertising, and how can I use this to help my business because, I, you know, I don't have enough money or I, I just don't have enough time to get this job done. And, you know, Cyrus, just to, you know, kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and your work? Like, where can they follow your journey as a designer online? So I would say you can find me on Twitter at Cyrus K. Henderson, C-Y-R-U-S-K-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. You can also find me posting on Instagram. That's the same title, Cyrus K. Henderson. All right. Sounds good. Well, Cyrus Henderson, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think it's always really interesting to get the perspective of someone that's kind of just starting out in their career. Even through many of my interviews here on the show, even through like my own personal experience, you know, I think sometimes designers can get really jaded with so many politics and things that happen in the design community and like bad experiences and things like that. And like what I'm getting from you is just nothing but like forward momentum, positivity, learning to do more, which is is refreshing, I think, to hear. We always, you know, us folks that have been had some skin in the game for a while, we always want to try to make it easier, hopefully, for the next generation of designers that are coming up. So it really sounds like you've got that that good footing. And I hope you keep that that positive attitude going as you grow as a designer. So thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Cyrus Henderson and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Cyrus and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. 
Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook designers work on creative products that are used by over 2 billion people. Their mission is to make the world more open and connected, and they use design to create prototypes, shape experiences, and ultimately solve problems as well. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. Whether you need to sell your products, share some big news, or just tell a story, MailChimp makes it super easy to create campaigns that best suit your message. Automate your marketing efforts, put your data to work, and watch the results roll in. Visit MailChimp.com today and sign up for a free account. MailChimp. Send better email. Every great idea deserves a great domain name, and Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing domains. Not only do they offer free private domain registration, you can pick from your choice of hundreds of different domain extensions, and then can connect those domains to your WordPress site, your LinkedIn profile, any place you like. Ready to get started? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites more easily without having to worry about hosting. Just visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path and you can get 60% off on all their hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, please do me a huge favor. First, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and next, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two. It really, really helps the show out by bumping us up in the rankings there for Design Podcasts, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind-the-scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.